Hey there, welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I am Benjamin Light. And this is Marco Sparks. And today we're talking about S4E1. For season A is for alive. Alive. So excited. Mm-hmm. Moving moving along. We're in the fourth season now. Getting ever yeah. closer to catching up. We've survived just the breakneck pace of the mania of the second half of season three. Mm-hmm. Um and this episode is it this is definitely amazing. a premiere. There's a lot, you know, questions are answered, new questions offered, new new plot lines introduced. A lot of well, stuff going on. As we'll get into, the things that you love about the show on the surface, you know, this episode delivers. The things that you love about the show when you delve just mm-hmm. a little bit <laughs> deeper, this show fucking delivers. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, written directed by I Marlene King. We start off right where we left off last season. Main Street Rosewood night. The four liars are there, plus Mona as Spencer opens the trunk to Wilden's car and they all gasp. Jump back and what's in it? It's a dead pig. A big ass dead pig taking up the whole trunk. Yep. Which I guess is some kind of metaphor. Um yeah. and also, they're all like covering their noses and like just ew, yeah. Yeah, Rosewood right now like looks haunted, like haunted by fog machines. A lot of a lot of fog machines, yeah. And so they're all like grossed out. Then Spencer looks around, she's like, "Hey, where's Mona?" And, so Arya assumes that Mona has set them up. Yeah, Arya's like, "This is all her. She set us up." And Emily's like, "All right, let's get the fuck out of here." So they all run off except for Hannah, who stays because Hannah is kind of like trying to see around at, like the driver's side, and she walks over, and Mona's there in the driver's seat. We so, say, like, Hannah's spidey sense was tingling. Mm-hmm. And so the liars then all run back over, you know, because they all ran to Emily's car. Now they all run back, and they're just like, come on, Hannah. Uh, and Hannah's like, she's looking in at Mona. She's like, what are you doing? And Mona's like, saving your mom. And Mona is like, picking the lock to the case underneath the, like, onboard computer. Of Mona the, is the cop car basically, here. she's basically disassembling the flux capacitor. Mm hmm. And like taking the hard drive to the cop car computer. Yeah, she's she's picking the lock, uh, trying to get into the the case underneath. And meanwhile, like there's like this some. I think it's Spencer says like someone's coming because like down the street there's like some couple that's out walking in it. I mean, what is this like two in the morning? Who knows? I was just saying, did the bars just get out in Rosewood? Yeah. I mean, do you, is this a town that has a bar that closes at two, or would they have to go out of town for that? I don't know. Where was where was Spencer meeting Ren that night that they that, that she hit the shots? That's true. This is another reason I want to live in Rosewood instead of my current the, town. The bar where Spencer was going to meet her sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so finally Mona has the thing and they all leave. Um, yeah, well, there's this whole thing where it's like, oh, these people are getting closer. Hurry up, Mona. And Mona is like, she opens up the case and like unscrews the hard drive that's in there and takes the hard drive out. They'll keep calling it a chip throughout the episode. It's, it's definitely drive. a hard drive. Uh, yeah. It's like well, a two and a half inch hard drive. To be fair, it's Hannah who keeps calling. That's it. true. Yeah, and so, so the uh, the liars like they run back to Emily's car and they like roll right up. Hannah and, and Mona jump in and they they drive away. Uh, useless trivia fun fact: since the first ten minutes of this episode really featured this Main Street Rosewood set, I just want to point out. I don't know if this matters to anyone, but like this whole area is basically left over from like Gilmore Girls. This is like the the town of Stars Hollow is Rosewood. Well, it's this is the D- Warner Brothers backlot. Yeah, I don't know so. where Stars Hollow was supposedly set, but I would love to think that like uh, they're actually the same town, like Gilmore Girls yeah. and Rosewood. Something <laughs> tells me the there's been town. other TV shows and movies filmed on this backlot as well. Well, just imagine that like 
Unbeneath it all, like, Spencer has a rivalry with, like, that fucking Rory Gilmore, you know? Oh, I think Spencer would win. I think Spencer would light Rory Gilmore's hair on fire. Um, sorry, so, sorry, Mrs. Pete Campbell. Yeah. So, uh, and we're not going to be making any references to Lucy Hale and uh, Miley Cyrus tonight, right? I wouldn't know what, what references to make. I guess I it'd be, it's the, VMAs. the VMAs were tonight, but I don't, I don't really know anything like other Miley than that. Cyrus sent a bunch of homeless people and Lucy Hale on stage accepting an award for her. I don't know. All the cool cute. All the uh, cool people stopped watching MTV, what, like 15 years ago? I mean, and started podcasting. Mm-hmm. So, meanwhile, in Spencer's kitchen later, you know, it's still night. The girls are still in their outfits. Spencer's watching that TV there in the kitchen that only plays news reports that advance the plot. Well, it's because TV only exists in the PLL universe for uh, product placement and to advance the plot. So far. Um, and, and for black and white movies. Yeah, yeah. Spencer says that there's news report about the lodge fire, but nothing yet about Woolen's car, to which Hannah says, I guess fire trumps dead pig. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> meanwhile, Arya's been peering out the window, and Mona's like, you can stop staring out the window, Arya. The cops aren't coming to arrest us. And Arya says, I'm supposed to feel safe just because you say it's all okay now? That's everything you put us through? And I like how, like, they really haven't addressed this whole, like, you're on our side now thing, Mona, yet. You know? Right. Um, two things. One, Arya still has a little bit of like suit on her face or mm-hmm. sit. She looks like an adorable little chimney boy. Two, would Arya dare talk this tough to Mona if she wasn't backed up by her homies? Or if she wasn't Arya or uh, Mona's boss as Big A. True, yeah. true, true. Um, so yeah. Mona's like, do you think we'd still be sitting here if someone saw us? And Emily says, you want to know what I think? I think you're lucky we're not beating the crap out of you. <laughs> And then and, Mona is like, and I believe you could, Emily. You really were the weakest link. Well, she's like, you really were the weakest link. But look how strong I made you. You should be thanking me. And Emily's like, okay, that's it. Yeah, she Like, if she her. had gloves, she would have, like, taken them off at that point. Uh, it should be noted that Emily is basically wearing her version of Spencer's X-Men's trench coat, which is not as dramatic or as cool. It's like a, just like a vest. X-Men trench it's, coat vest. It's like something you'd buy at Target. Oh. It's like something uh, like Boomer, Boom Boom, or whatever they called her would wear on, on X Force. You remember yeah. her? Or Meltdown? Yeah, Meltdown. When she like called nuclear. I mean, they they change her name a lot, but right. y'all know who we're talking about. Right. If you're yeah, hardcore comic book nerd, X Force. It's something something on X Force would wear. A cannonball. Mm-hmm. Come on, cool kids. So Emily's like about to charge here, right. but then the other liars kind of get up to stop her, and Ari's like, "M." I know we all want to take a turn in hands, like, but we won't. And Spencer's like, you like games, right, Mona? So let's play one called The Third Degree. Well, when Hannah kind of steps in there and she's like, but we won't, Mona could almost swoon. Yeah. It's like Hannah's stepping out to protect Mona. Like, there, there are some really, like, just hardcore sapphic vibes in this episode between Mona and Hannah. Uh, and it's awesome. And thus, our slash fiction begins. Would mm-hmm. you say that we ship it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we ship the fuck out of this. Uh, mm-hmm. What would you call this? Like, uh, Hona? I-, I don't know. Mana? I don't know. People tell us. Hannah, Mona, OTP. Yeah, what, what, do you, what do you got for us? Um, so Hannah's just like, how did you get that car out of that lake? And Mona's like, I didn't. Oh, I this is... We, this, we get like the download here. Yeah, all, all yeah. these questions are about to get answered. The info dump. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mona's like, montage. Car, I put the car in Hannah's garage, and that was the last time I saw it. So the girls just all, like, settle in for grilling mm-hmm. Mona, which I could have watched, like, 20 more minutes yeah. of this. And so could the liars. So, uh, one of, you know, Mona's just going to say a lot of things here. One of the things she says is, 
Shauna knew Jenna before she came to Rosewood. I think she's in love with her. They're both afraid of Melissa. And then Mona says later, or, you know, they cut dissolve too. When Cece came to rally, I thought she was Allie. I don't remember what we talked about. It was before they changed my meds. I love that they have that excuse. So can we ponder that it was Cece who visited Mona in rally at the end of season two? Perhaps, yeah. Somebody mm-hmm. in a red coat. Uh, and then another, you know, fade. And then she says, Lucas gave Emily that massage. He said you were tense. <laughs> I really enjoy barf. getting getting that because that was one of those like lingering mysteries. Like if Mona was the only A in seasons one through two, then who the hell was giving Emily that massage? Because it could possibly Mona's have been horses. Mona. Yeah. Mona's riding horses. Of so it was Lucas, which is like, geez, that's pretty fucking gross, Lucas. You seem to have conveniently left that out of your confessions to Hannah. Yeah, vomit. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I love that in between some of these cuts, they do you know they do shots of all the liars like looking at each other of consternation, mm-hmm. but then they'll dissolve over to like the roaring fire in the fireplace, <laughs> like it's a love scene, uh-huh. which it is. isn't it? Well, so how do, how does Lucas become such a good massage? I mean, do we even want to know? No, I don't think we want to know. We've seen. It's just like I've had a lot of practice right? on my penis. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Lucas puts the sour cream in his own burrito. Um, <laughs> that's for you, JJ. That's for you. Um, Simona's like, I recruited Toby when he got that job in Bucks County. So presumably Toby is still out there somewhere. So in case you're wondering, the the official episode that the whole Bucks County job was in was 308, which it really feels like Toby's been with A since like he fell off that scaffolding. Yeah. I, I choose to believe that. I just, I just don't buy he only joined a like four episodes before he was revealed as a i feel like it just works better for the show if you join some somewhere back in like mid season well, two and we're gonna get into keegan allen we're gonna we're gonna just really dig up the corpse that is keegan allen's face and his persona mm-hmm. talk about him in this episode i think later on but i i like the idea that the turnaround that keegan allen or toby is pretty eyes or whatever you know what i mean or angel eyes or whatever they want to call him Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, you know, people are like, oh, Mona was the pretty eyes that they kept referring to in like the A tags and stuff. But I think it's so much weirder that it's Toby. <laughs> Completely unrelated. I happen to be watching the uh, San Diego Chargers preseason game today. Okay. And there's a wide receiver on the Chargers named Keenan Allen. Mm-hmm. But like the way they're saying it on TV, it kept sounding like they're saying Keegan Allen. It was really kind of rocking my world. Like, you know, I had to sit down. Pimp out. What's that Tumblr or what's that Instagram? I mean. Oh, that I, I'll, I'll look it up. You you keep talking. I know. Okay. So yeah, the next thing Mona says is, you know, I didn't push Ian off the bell tower. I wish I knew who did. So that was the two things. I'm mm-hmm. Marlene King had said that there's two things that Mona didn't do as a in seasons one and two. Those two things are give Emily that massage and, and the push bell Ian tower. off the bell tower. So now we know who gave the massage. We still didn't know who the hell pushed Ian off the bell tower. Yeah. Um, oh, so it's uh, Keegan's face, I think. Instagram.com slash Keegan's face. Just go there. It's it's discreet, but it will haunt your dreams, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about the takeover, the potential takeover that is Keegan Allen. Um, also, I'm calling out Keegan Allen like on the podcast. You should come and be our guest. We would love <laughs> to unpack this show with you. Uh, so the next morning, we see the liars are asleep there in Spencer's room, which is kind of, you know, it's it's echoes of the pilot. It's echoes of season three. Hannah wakes up there on the fainting couch. She glances around the room. The door's been left open. She wakes up the other girls and she yells, Mona's gone. In case you're wondering about these sleeping uh, positions and situations here, Spencer and Arya are both on her couch, kind of like sleeping on opposite ends. 
with her like you know legs intertwined. Mm. Uh, Emily is on the floor leaning up to the couch arm next to Spencer, which is kind of a weird way to sleep. Right. And Spencer's like, I don't remember us falling asleep. And Arya's like, Did she drug us? And he says, wouldn't be the first time. And Hannah says, you guys, she still has that chip, by which she means 2.5-inch hard drive. Yeah, of uh, with footage of mm-hmm. Ashley running Wilden the fuck over. Yeah, and so, um, they, so they all look concerned, but then you see Mona walking by in the window behind Spencer, and then she walks right back in the door. She's got a tray of coffee and like a, a bag with presumably some food in it. Mm-hmm. And she looks just a little bit pleased with herself, and the liars are just all staring at her. And so she like dumbfounded. Yeah, she walks in and then she stops. She goes, "Oh, Emily, I borrowed your car." And Emily like immediately looks over at the counter and like her keys are still there on the counter. Well, she left them. And Mona's like, "Yeah, I have my own set." Which I love that number one, Mona has her own set. I love number two that she would tell Emily that she has her own set. It's like she wanted her to know that. She is just stroking her power boner. Um. So then she says that she went on a coffee run, and then she hands out the coffee scene. Well, this is where girls. Hannah's like, where'd you go? And she's like, coffee run, duh. And Hannah's yeah. like, where else did you go? And she ignores that, like, Mona's move when she really doesn't want to answer something. She just ignores the question. Yeah, exactly. So she starts it's handing better. out all the coffee. Emily gets an Americano, one pink. Arya gets a dry soy calf. Spencer gets a supersized drip with three sugars. And Hannah gets a skinny vanilla. And Mona's like, did I get it right? Can I can I just also I love you so much, Mona. Since we're talking about Toby in this episode, can I just propose that supersized drip of three sugars should be Tony <laughs> Toby's new nickname? LOL. <laughs> so the girls form a like a staring wall at Mona. Well, you know, they're all mad at her for various reasons, but like wouldn't Mona be the awesomest friend to have ever? You know, I really like the guy who plays Moriarty on Sherlock, but you know, mm-hmm. if he couldn't have made it that day Janelle Parrish? You're locked out of your car. You just call your adrenalized hype reality, like stalker best friend. Like, and you're uh, like, hey, sorcerer ninja friend. You're like, yeah. hey, I locked myself out. And they're like, oh, cool. I'm in the bushes over here. I'll just get out and unlock it for you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so the girls like form this like staring wall, like just like looking, glaring down at Mona. And she deflects, mm-hmm. mentioned that she got breakfast scones. Yeah. Hannah's like, I want that chip, Mona. And I want it now. And Mona's like, I also got breakfast. Multigrain yeah. scone. <laughs> She wishes that she could give it to Hannah, but she can't. She needs it to find Redcoat. She says, she tried to kill all of us. So like it or not, we're in this together. To which Arya says, prove it. Yeah, Spencer says, yeah, we want everything you have on us. And Emily says, now. So Mona considers and she says, Mikasa Sukasa. And of course, Hannah's like, in English. And Spencer's like, she's taking us to her lair. That's what she means. So maybe we're going to finally like figure out why Mona has to decorate like a crazy stalker person. Or maybe not. I mean, are there like crazy stalker person decorating them boards on like Pinterest that inspire this kind of shit? Like, hey, you're setting up your own A-layer? Here's how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cut to Main Street Rosewood. It's daytime now. Um, we see Wilden's like muddy, soggy car. Cops are all over the place. It's a crime scene. This car seems to keep getting muddier. Yeah, including... Somebody from the coroner's office yeah, there. Cor- coroner's there. There's a stretcher there. Um, there's a small crowd watching behind police lines. And the traffic's all kind of backed up here because it's having to be rerouted. Mm-hmm. And Emily's driving. They're kind of all looking over. Um, what does she say? She's like, all this for a muddy cop car and a dead pig? 
And then they're they're kind of looking over. There's uh you know something covered in a white sheet there on the ground. But then a big gust of wind blows by with some leaves and blows the white sheet off. And there is Detective Wilden under that sheet. Motherfucker's dead. Dead pale body. And the girls mm-hmm. and Mona are like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> is the opening to this episode of Pretty Little Liars. Well, it's so weird because it was like they could have put Wilden in the trunk. Mm-hmm. But like it was almost like they wanted to uh, almost downplay like the the surprise because mind you this is a season premiere so like we you were wondering what's in the trunk for like three months or something mm-hmm. and then when you get to the premiere it's like oh it was just a troll you know well, it's, it's just so a, much... a dead pig metaphorically it was Wilden but it, it could have actually been Wilden but for whatever reason like seemingly a parked the car there waited for them to come see this and then like move Wilden's body out. You know, afterward or something. Well, so here's here's why I want to offer especially high praise of I Marlene King. I think a lazier show would have had Wilden's body in the trunk. Mm-hmm. Prilla Liars knows to deflect, push it along to when you least expect it, mm-hmm. distract you with the info dump of Mona being grilled by the liars, which is exactly what you want, and then to like be true to your expectations and the things that you need. Because remember, Joss Whedon says. I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you need before the actual credits roll. Then you get something that you wanted or needed to be in that trunk. It's not in the trunk, but whatever, you know, the language of TV. I think this is so much better. I mean, it's like a, it's like the longest opening to PLL, but yeah, it's very long. It's, it's awesome. Um, so then after the credits, we're in Emily's car still. They're, they're watching this. Mona now realizes what A's your mind. Yeah. Now. You're mine now. I know what that text meant. Spencer says, A has a way to make it look like we killed him. And then so a then, cop yeah. like pounds on the roof of Emily's car and is like, you know, move it along. So they, Stop rubbernecking. Yeah. They drive off staring at the body the whole time as uh, somebody comes over to cover Wilden back up. I'm going to say this for the first of probably two times. Where the fuck is Officer Barry? I was a little disappointed that I didn't see Officer Barry in this episode. We'll get to that later. A little disappointed. So, mm-hmm. you know, meanwhile, outside of what's left of the Thornhill Lodge. <laughs> well, fucking Toby. Toby he's, Toby, he's got that, you know, NW lighter in his hand, and he's, like, flicking the light back and forth. He's, like, in the tree clearing, kind of like, you know, maybe, he's not even really hiding, he's just standing in the tree clearing. There's still firefighters here. Yeah. Like, there's firefighters, you know, and, like, a, you know, one of the smaller fire trucks. Mm-hmm. Toby's like, I'm just going to stand here in my suspicious black hoodie, flicking a lighter at the sight of this arson, and just which, hope nobody notices me. Which, in daytime stands out more against mm-hmm. the foliage the bright yeah. foliage behind me yeah that black hoodie is a little bit more in relief this is now yeah, probably like green. a fire inspector in that little truck so one of the firefighters firefighters finds a red trench coat which toby's like interesting and then well, the it's, it's all like it. it's all like kind of burned and sooty you know he holds it up looks at it and like drops it yeah yeah and, and toby, so it, toby finally is like huh guess i should get the fuck out of here yeah. What were you doing all day? You, you woke up there, the night before. Well, has he been there all goddamn night? He's like, Spencer will come back, right? <laughs> she didn't forget about me. He's like, guys. It's He's doing that thing where it's just town. like, five more minutes. I will wait five more minutes. <laughs> and then five minutes comes. <laughs> oh, my God. Hours. Yeah, dark night of the soul for Toby. <laughs> Which is every night of Toby. There's life. no way she forgot about me. You waiting. know what? I fucking hope she did. You made her think you were dead and put her in a mental hospital, you sick bastard. Yeah. Uh, Someone's like, hey, Spencer, where's Toby? She's like, mmm. Right. <laughs> he kind of deserves it. Earning his penance. So, meanwhile, in Mona's RV lair, 
But the girls are looking through the various things that Mona has there. And Mona is sitting there watching them. Well, you know, surrounded by, like, Mona's insane shrine full of, like, alley pictures and all these, like, stalker photos of them and, like, burlap sack masks. And they're just, like, just looking around at your evidence. You know, I, I kind of thought to myself, this is, this is possibly me reaching, but, like, I thought... One thing to find out about what kind of person you are is, you know, get like your dirty secrets, put together like a portfolio of all your nasty shit, right? Mm-hmm. So I know all these these dirty things about you. The next thing I could learn about you is then to present the evidence to you <laughs> and see your reaction to it. You know what I mean? I think yeah, like in the movies when somebody has like they throw a file at somebody else and the person opens it and looks at like two pages and they're like, my whole life is in here. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope not. Mm-hmm. Um so there's a TV on and the news is there. You're replaying old like, footage of Willem talking to the co- to the press. Yeah, file footage of him talking about Allie, probably like right after she was found, maybe. Or, Which may be yeah. the only case he's you know presided over as a detective for all. Mm-hmm. We- well, that and shoplifting, of- Hannah. Oh yeah, and yeah. banging the hottest redhead yeah. in town. So we see. One, uh, I think it's Arya is looking at a photo of Redcoat, but it's. You can't see the face, of course. It's just like someone in a red hood and blonde hair. Hmm. Well, she's asked why Redcoat would save them from the fire, to which Mona says, so that she could set us up to take the fall for Wilden's murder. And it's like, geez, Arya, weren't you paying attention mm-hmm. when Mona and Spencer realized that on the drive over? Oh, and, and Spencer says, yeah, cat plays with a mouse for hours before she actually eats it. Once it's dead, the fun's over. And Mona just like nods approvingly. She's like, yep. That's how the game works. She's like, so you understand. So Hannah's like, now so you're like Allie's me, mice. Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> and Spencer's like, no, we're her dolls. And now Emily's like, you know, knock that shit off, guys. Like, Allie's dead. But seriously, nobody's going into the crazy fucking decoration of this place. And meanwhile, someone's watching them, like, through the window of the RV and get, like, a POV shot from outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emily doesn't, doesn't like uh, anyone insinuating that her, her dead lesbian crush could possibly be up to no good uh, aria finds the uh, phantom mask from the, the train and hannah grabs it and she looks at mona and she's like you were on the halloween train dressed as caleb and mona is like to think we were this close to our first kiss and kind of like holds up her fingers you know but just, uh, before, before we get to that i just want to say janelle Parrish, that is the greatest line reading you have ever done on this show <laughs> i'm not to say that you're not amazing in every scene you're in but that was perfect i'm shipping it yeah and then aria chimes in with uh, i just noticed in my notes after that line it just wrote ship it in all caps <laughs> aria says and to getting rid of me for good and Mona just rolls her eyes and she's like that wasn't me i can prove it aria montgomery way to kill the, the vibe man can i just say aria montgomery tip of the spear um aria montgomery killing the vibe yeah 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 you ruin our vibes. I so mean, she, like, I think Emily back there is probably shipping it, too. Oh, yeah, Emily's, you know, if there's a bathroom in there, she'd be in there right now shipping it. Um, Just like I am. She pulls out, Mona pulls out a video, the one that she took when Ari was already in the box. On her, her laptop, yeah. she says, And she says, and these two put you in there. And so on screen, we're watching this video play. It says somebody is filming uh, on the train, seemingly filming from, like, behind a crate or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see that there's a person in the Queen of Hearts costume, but without the mask on. They kind of turn around, and you see who it is. It's Wilden. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So Wilden must have been the the uh, the big dude who was wrestling with uh, Spencer, right? The, and Paige. And Paige. Yeah. 
And Wilden turns around and he says, it's not going to happen. Listen to me. Just leave her. He's talking to somebody off screen. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he says, plans have changed. Or, or meanwhile, Arya's like, he was the Queen of Hearts? You know, and Wilden's like, plans have changed. And then he, Wilden kind of walks behind a crate and the camera follows. And now we see he's talking to another Queen of Hearts. But this oh, one shit. has the mask still on. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Wilden's holding his. And Wilden's saying to this person, Garrett's going to tell him everything. We can't let that happen. Which, to me, that kind of suggests that Wilden killed Garrett, right? I don't know. Seemingly? Um, so Ar- the Arya's liars. like, there's two of them? Arya's like the uh, like the narrator here, basically. The audience proxy, yeah. yeah. So they ask who was in the other Queen of Hearts costume, and Mona says to Spencer, your sister. And the other Queen of Hearts starts to take their mask off, but before we see the face, the video goes gray, and then the whole laptop kind of starts freaking out. And Spencer's like, oh yeah, that's convenient, right before you could actually prove it. And Hannah's like, Mona, what's going on? And Mona's freaking out. She's like, somebody's deleting all my files. Mm-hmm. And these like kissing lips appear all over the screen. She's trying to shut it down, but it basically just like sh- snow crashes and shuts off. Yeah. And then they hear like right right as this happens, before they can even kind of re- respond to that craziness, they hear all these little girls outside calling for Allison and saying, "Come out, come out, wherever you are." So let's just say real quick, there's a bunch of like puckered up lips, like basically like tons of kisses as somebody mm-hmm. remotely hacks Mona's computer. Um. That's the pertinent info that fits like thematically this episode. If I really wanted to troll the people who don't like our theory that Arya might be A, I would just remind you to the, a previous episode where we talked about how Arya has the giant like Rocky Horror Show slash <laughs> Rolling Stone lips on her binder. Um, so yeah, the girls step outside with Mona to investigate. We hear the same kids saying like, not here, Arya. It was Emily's idea. This is the kind of thing the show does that I love. I'm sure some people are like, oh my god, this is so unrealistic, but to me, this this is the adrenalized hyper reality of the show here. They're they're outside. They're in like an RV park, mm. and uh, they're looking around. You know, finding there's these girls over by a like a small merry-go-round. They're all playing, mm. and so the the liars kind of walk over to them to see what's going on because these are the ones talking about Arya and Emily and all that. The this scene is so goddamn crazy. I mean, the girls are the the liars and Mona are marching over to investigate. Yeah. So there's there's five girls. They all look to be I don't know what'd you say like seven or eight years old maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're all each one of them looks like a younger version of our our heroes. You have basically and they are all five, dressed like one of our our heroes. You have five pint sized analogs. Yeah. To our main characters. And the Arya one picks up uh, a doll. Oh, and they also all have dolls that are dressed like the liars. So the Arya one, I like how the Arya one's the leader. I was arguing with JJ the other day that Arya is the true leader of the group. She just never takes the reins. Tip and um, spear. Yeah. So Arya, little Arya, picks up her, her little Arya doll and walks over and introduces himself, herself, says hello. And big Arya says, you know, where'd you get those dolls? Mm-hmm. And then little Arya says they were a present. Mine's name is Arya, and that's Hannah, Spencer, Emily, and Mona. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I like that the Mona doll is dressed like nerdy Mona. Yeah, with like the nerdy glasses. It's like such perfect execution. Well, here. It's a reflection of who they are. The the, the girls, the little the little pine sized girls, and for this time I'm talking about the children, not actual Arya, mm-hmm. like mini Arya, you know, versus real Arya, who's also mini. They're like standing like directly across, perfectly from their mm-hmm. counterparts. <laughs> I mean, like, there's so many goddamn levels here. I mean, this this RV park is seriously located on the very edges of the fourth wall. Yeah. Oh, and you might ask yourself, how did A possibly set this up? And the point is, stop asking. 
Yeah. I mean, like, Mini Arya has, like, a leather jacket and, like, a, a crazy, like, black and white striped top and, like, a red skirt. Like, she's dressed just, like, just as crazily as, like, uh, older Arya. Right. You know, and so, yeah, Mini Arya says, you know, these are a present from your friend Allison. She started playing with us right after you moved in. And this is the point on the show, which I love this moment. I, I mean, I could see where people would get furious at this. Mm-hmm. How it's so postmodern. I get that. But, uh... This is where I love where I love that A was always basically referred to as a she because mm-hmm. there's a there's a strong feminine energy to the show as it should yeah, be. Yeah. This is the point where I wanted A to not be a she or a he and really like assume the whole A is for audience thing here. Mm. But to continue the postmodern like meta spirit of this, this is where I wanted Arya to look into the camera right at us and <laughs> say, this is crazier than crazy. <laughs> Also, it should be the so the liars are just all staring at these chicks like they don't know what the fuck to make of this. Uh, and it, as it pans across the various dolls and whatnot, the Hannah doll is fat. Like that's so mean yeah. and so perfectly a. But it, it, and you tell Hannah's just like that fucking bitch. I I read something a while back where the the idea posited this thing was like the theory is that every story, if it goes on for long enough, eventually becomes about itself. And mm-hmm. to a certain extent, Pretty Liars flirts with that notion. Um, mm-hmm. So then we cut, you know, after the girls all like pass out from just how powerful this moment is, you know, jokingly, the we cut to Emily's bedroom. This is presumably, I think, just later that same day. Probably, yeah. I mean, it, tracking the time in Rosewood is somewhat of a pointless no, exercise. No, you know what? I'm sorry. This is probably either Saturday or Sunday because the girls went to the Thornhill Lodge on a Friday night. Well, can can I vaguely spoil something here, please? Uh. The season five mid-season finale is airing a couple days. It takes place in Thanksgiving. So ponder that, that it's Thanksgiving and in season three we had Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then try to do the math, it's impossible. Unless Whoa. they, unless PLL exists in a universe where it's just always fall. We'd have to talk about season four, you know, in a larger content. Mm-hmm. It takes place over at least, at least six weeks or more. But... This is where, you know, where we're very similar because we're, we're two bros who watch PLL too. Like, Benji and I are different. He tells you to ponder, ponder the meaning of time, the nature of its essence here. I'm telling you, don't. That way lies madness. I thought you, I just told you not to. Don't. Cause you'll, you'll, you'll go in there like whoever you are and you'll come out like Aria. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is presumably, I, let's just say the weekend safely. Emily's yeah. on her laptop. Hannah is sitting on the bed on the phone. She's, Telling somebody that she's talking to that she'll meet them later. Says, yeah, whatever you need. All right, I'll see you tonight. And Emily's like, was that Caleb? And Hannah says, no, it was Mona. Hmm. And Emily's like, what does she need? And Hannah says, she just needs help moving the RV until we can all get rid of it together. Yeah. So Hannah's going to drive her there. And Emily says, you know, she's thinking about last night. So perhaps it was last night. And Mona put her gloves on before touching Wilden's car. Meanwhile, our friends are all over it. And Hannah says she's like the she's like Hannibal Lecter smart. She's been doing this for a long time. Um, just want to point out that uh, Hannah is wearing shiny red spandex pants. These are the kind of pants that oh, the sausage casing pants. These are the kind of pants that Daredevil, we'll get a better angle for them later. Yeah, Daredevil puts on these pants before he fights crime. Um, so Emily like, says these are like flash pants. Maybe right? so. Yeah, so. <laughs> Hannah says she's been doing this a long time and Emily's like who's to say she's not still doing it so then Hannah replies with you know there's one thing I learned from my mom it's keep your friends close and your enemies closer you know that and the beauty of wine yeah. to and which Emily- I thought does Emily then respond with does that mean you're going to be Mona's new BFF or you're going to get drunk on wine and fuck her 
Or like, when did your mom tell you that? And what was the context? Yeah, yeah. Is that about the time your mom killed that fake architect? Is that is that what the <laughs> reference is to? Or the time uh, Mrs. Potter died mysteriously and you mm-hmm. stole her money? Oh, I forgot. You know, I, I was posting on Reddit, like, how Ashley Marin could be A. I forgot. That's a good one to put in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Mrs. Potter. <laughs> um. So Hannah says that basically she's going to have to play nice to, with Mona to get that chip back. You know, that or chip. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, just then Pam knocks on the door. Yeah, it's an open door. Pam just kind of knocks and on the uh, door jam and walks in. She's holding a uh, little basket with some champagne in it. At first, I thought this was from the funeral, but we'll find out it's not. Like, right. I like the idea that, that like that was from Wilden, Wilden's uh, wake. Uh, she walks in and sets it down. She's she's not at work. Work at a half a day. Uh, nobody's getting anything done, which I feel like isn't that the opposite of every cop show you've ever seen where like right. one cop gets shot or killed. Like every like on a normal cop show, everyone would be in working overtime, doing nothing, just standing around, like wanting to be there. And Pan's just like, I can go home. You don't really need me. Hashtag Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So all anyone at the police station can think is poor Wilden. <laughs> and so Hannah's like, That's well, all they can think. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Oh, poor guy. Meanwhile, Pam, didn't you fucking hate that creep? Anyway, so Hannah's like, Do they know who did it? And Pam says, No, but they're witnesses. But she doesn't know exactly what they saw, you know, and so Hannah Pam, and Emily are looking a little nervous here. Pam asks how Hannah is doing, and then Emily <laughs> cuts her off to ask who the gift basket is for. And we find out it's for Jessica De Laurentiis, who stopped by the police station. She's moving back into their old house. And Emily's like, Jason made it seem like she hated it here. She couldn't face all the memories of Allison. And Pam says, well, something must have changed. I mean, in spite of what's going on with Wilden, she seemed to be in a pretty good place. <laughs> And the phone rings, and Pan's like, oh, it's probably probably your dad, so I'll go get it. So she takes off, and Hannah's like, maybe Mrs. D isn't so sad anymore, because she knows you know, she knows what we know. That Allison was. Yeah, and Emily's like, we don't know anything. And Hannah says, I saw who pulled us out of the fire, and it was Allison. And Emily just frowns, because what are you really supposed to say at that point, you know? But it's also, it's like, we've been down this road before with Emily, like, not wanting to believe that Toby could be evil, or be A, or what have oh, you. But also, like... If somebody says something you believe is just absolutely impossible or untrue, and they're like, no, I saw it. Right. You're just like, okay. Like, what else are you supposed to say to that? Um, so, long story short, I won't go into the context of it, but, you know, Evan, you asked about personal details about us. In my previous job, the only piece of advice that I ever learned that I did not know myself in some form was never argue with somebody's, like, imagined friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut to we the outside. Just have these like uh, deep thoughts from Marco or Marco's life lessons. We should Marco's um, pro tips, mm-hmm. life hacks. So outside the Thornhill Lodge wreckage, we have Spencer and Toby. Toby's going through the burnt wood, trying to find the red coat that the firefighter tossed aside. Toby, Spencer overseas. Toby's in like a blue jacket now. They changed clothes. Yeah, yeah. They've showered. <laughs> yeah, Spencer's in some nice, tasteful green ensemble they there. They don't all look like they're forest like, green, like extras in a Charles Dickens play. Um, yeah, so Spencer, I like how she just says so. And Toby's, he's he's going through like the he's looking for the burned red coat, can't find. It. He's like he threw it on this pile. I'm sure of it. And Spencer's kind of wandering around behind him, she's peeking in the wreck building, kind of wondering if they left anything inside. And Toby turns around, he's like, "Hey, it's not safe to go in there." In addition to being a contractor, I'm also you know a safety inspector. Real quick though, if you were a fire inspector, I mean, did this not occur to you too that like? You find like a red trench coat, like maybe you should confiscate that. You're like, possibly this is evidence. Maybe there was a body in there, guys. I don't know. Yeah. Like, 
to me, it's not outside the realm of possibility that this would be missing now. Um, so yeah. Toby goes back to shifting through the rubble after <laughs> laying down the uh, the uh, the masculine advice. Mm. To Don't Spencer. go in there. And Spencer's yeah. like, uh huh, and kind of she waits and she kind of looks around and waits, and then oop, she's going right inside. <laughs> Fuck you, so, Toby. Finally, Toby looks back. I think, kind of realizing that Spencer's quiet, so therefore she's gone against my wishes. Like, uh, Suke, I told you not to do that thing. I told you not to do. Uh, he realizes that she darted inside against his wishes, and Toby's like, his face, as much as we can understand mm-hmm. it, says, "God damn it!" In a quantum <laughs> way. Yeah, but it's in a. It, I feel like it's always with the underpinning of, well, I am dating her, so I can't complain that much. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, yeah. he should still be in the doghouse. Seriously. I mean, that's Spencer not really got over that quickly. That's not a comment on Toby's looks this time, although it kind of is. Oh, mm-hmm. well. Um, inside the burnt Thornhill Lodge, Toby's going inside looking for Spencer. He's looking around the rubble. I love the, the framing of this where they change at the location that now he's looking for her. Mm-hmm. Um, he calls out for her. Finally, Spencer comes down the stairs. Comes down the stairs. Like, geez, like unsafe enough being in there, but then to go up the stairs. Uh, and Spencer, Toby's like, uh, I don't think she's in here. And Spencer's like, what if it was Allie? What if she brought us here because she's ready to come home? Oh, no, no, no. You missed over her greatest line. Because I just mm-hmm. want to say real quick, I know Spencer's in a committed relationship, but if there's danger, she's going to flirt with it. Mm-hmm. He says, we shouldn't be in here. And Spencer says, well, we are. So we might as well look <laughs> around. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, Toby says uh, she pulls everybody out of action and then takes off because she knows it isn't safe. Yeah. And Spencer's like, it's possible. And Toby's like, yeah, if you're not taking into account that she died two years ago, sure, it's possible. <laughs> Spencer looks behind Toby and like sees some movement, like there was somebody else in another section that's burned out husk. Mm-hmm. They're not alone in here. And so we see more movement. They both rush out outside, I mean, outside-ish, you know, it's kind of open to the, right. the, the elements. But they get out there, no one's there. Of course. Whoever it was, they're gone. Yeah. So, mm. meanwhile, outside the dealer is home. Emily walks past, sees some boxes outside. Um, some movers are like taking shit inside. Mm-hmm. This is like you know very similar again like, to the pilot. Uh, the the dealer house right now seems like overgrown with uh, vegetation, as though like no one's been taking care of it for like or, ten years. Or as if they put Jason in charge of taking <laughs> care of mm-hmm. it. Like uh, it seems like every time we see this house, it's like more beat to shit than it was before i'll just say like no no spoilers but i feel like every one of the season premieres with the exception of maybe season five to a certain extent really echoes back to like the pilot in a lot of ways mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so emily well, pulls... didn't they didn't the walkway used to be like not dirt i don't know maybe i'm misremembering well, if you if you actually go back to the pilot especially when we get to well the pilot's certain... a different house yeah, yeah it's, it was a, it's a different town mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a different yeah it's everything. vancouver um there's a mall that you'll never see again in your life um yeah but yeah i think so the house is really changed but the location changes like sometimes it's like directly right next to emily's house and then in this new altered reality that there were seven months takes place in three three seasons i kind of suspect that like maybe another show uses this set as well and redresses it which is why sometimes they have to go with like the weird look i don't know what would that be like vampire academy no, Vampire, Academy. Vampire, Vampire Diaries, Diaries? Or, I, I don't know. Vampire Diary Academy? This is the kind of thing that, that interests us, obviously. Uh, so anyway, Mrs. D, she comes out, says hello. It's says it feels like home when you see someone with a friend. You see a friendly face, and she yeah. comes over and hugs Emily. Emily gives her her basket of uh, presumably like 
I think there's like a, a sausage in there and some. That's actually <laughs> Martinelli's. That's not champagne. You're doing my jokes for me. Oh. <laughs> there's a sausage in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she said she's looking forward to having Pam over sometime because Emily says it's from Pam. Come Emily over for I- tea. Yeah, Emily asks if Jason's moving back too. Mrs. D says no. Jason's down south. Euphemism. Renovating Grandma D's place. It's a beautiful old house, but Grandma D let things go. It smells like old people. So, Grandma D has got to be her mother-in-law, then, right? Eesh, who knows? For all we right? know, right? I mean, if 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 it's Grandma De Laurentiis, then that would be Allie's dad's mother. I, don't know. I hope. Yeah, I hope. Uh, and yeah, it's a beautiful house, but she let things go, and it smells like old people. And Emily kind of smiles, and she says, "Allie hated that smell." And Jessica says, man, it's good to hear someone say that name. People avoid it. You know they're trying to be polite, but it's not nice. It's weak. It's weak. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> she gets all like weird and like creepy and like drops her voice. So and uh, yeah. Ropes Emily into like helping her move boxes inside. Emily's like, mm, you've got professional paid movers here. but all, yeah, sure. All these boxes, by the way, say Allison's on them. I mean, this is all Allison's shit. <laughs> is uh, <this> set up? <laughs> Yeah, so we cut to inside, and Al- Al- Emily's uh, carrying a box of Allison stuff into Allison's old room, mm-hmm. and there's all this Allison stuff in there, and Emily's like, he kept her old things. And she goes, Jessica says, I think she would have wanted me to. And Emily's like, fuck me, that's macabre. Mm-hmm. So we cut to, like, it's nighttime, or night is falling, um, in a lot of ways. Hannah's driving, she's following Mona and her RV, her RV lair. Talking to Emily on the phone, and Emily mentions that Mrs. D is basically building a shrine to Allison. Uh, and Hannah says, or maybe Allison wants her old room back. Um, so the Hannah stuff mentions, in Allison's room, by the way. I won't go into it, but it's fascinating. It is fascinating. We'll lots get of it. French stuff. Lots of twinning and doubles. Yeah, well, we definitely, by the end of the season, we're going to be talking about this mm-hmm. shit. So Hannah mentions that Mona has driven the RV to some creepy old farm in the middle of nowhere. So Emily says to Hannah, be careful. To which Hannah says, you know, if I'm not back by midnight, send a search party. <laughs> uh, so Hannah gets out of the car. She locks the RV away behind her. Yeah, Mona locks the RV away behind the gate. Mona thanks Hannah for helping her. And Hannah's like, well, you know, hey, we're in, the, we're in this together, right? And Mona's like, kind of like old times. Um, and so Mona's locking the gate and, and she pulls the key away and she's kind of twirling the key around. Uh, and it's like, that should do it. And Hannah's like, are you sure it's safe here? And Mona says that it should be fine for a few days. And Hannah's kind of like staring at this key the whole time as Mona puts it in her pocket. Um, and this is where you get a really good shot of the uh, the sausage casing, uh, red spandex leggings that Hannah's wearing. <laughs> uh, and so they're walking back to Hannah's car and Hannah says, you know, there's stuff in there that can bring us all down. And Mona kind of sniffs a little and Hannah's like, and Hannah says, what? And Mona says, I just haven't thought about you and me as us in a long while. Can't you two see that you're in love with each other? Well, anyway, other? it's like, Jesus Christ, just bang already. Yeah, but Hannah doesn't respond, and Mona's just like, well, anyway. So mm-hmm. meanwhile, at the rear window brew, Arya's there doing her homework. Um, Oh, my God. We haven't really gone to it yet, but we're going to talk about some fucking Arya in this episode. Mm. She's doing her she's doing her homework. She's seemingly currently the only person there. She once again has, in, like, crazy thick black and white vertical striped pants on. She's wearing Beetlejuice pants. Yeah, and, like, a. Like a, just a casual sweater up top. I mean, it's fine, but she's mm-hmm. wearing Beetlejuice pants. Um, Ezra comes in and orders a drink. Uh, Arya sees him. He doesn't see her. He kind of walks right up and he's like, "Oh, I have a cappuccino." Yeah. Hello, sir. Um, yeah. So she starts packing up her shit, making like she's going to like sneak out behind his back. Um, of course he turns right as she's walking near him, sees her. He says hi. Well, she's I like just... how he he turns and sees her 
take a good like seven or eight steps before she looks up again. It's like, oh, you've been watching me this whole time. Yeah. She doesn't want to lie and say that she didn't see him, but she doesn't know what the new status quo is. Does she say hi? Does she not say hi? And he's just like, well, I'm saying hi since we just broke up yesterday. And then he gets like the dorkiest laugh. Yeah. I'm saying hi. And they both kind of, they laugh awkwardly at each other. And Arya's like, we probably shouldn't have our coffee together though, right? And Ezra says, yeah, yesterday I might have said that would be okay. Again, Arya, tip of the spear, but also queen of the mixed signals. Because Mm -hmm. I think she really wants that coffee. Well, the, she dumped him, too. You know? Exactly. Yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Ezra's like, yeah, well, yesterday I might have said that would be okay. And Ari's like, why not tonight? And he says, I got offered a permanent job. Like, like they liked his subbing that one day. So they're like, now you can have a permanent job. Yeah. Uh, and Ari's like, oh, that's great. And he says, I haven't said yes because it's at Rosewood. And she says, Ezra, you know, it's a lot easier to not see you when I'm actually not seeing you. And Ezra's like, I uh, I really need this. I have a family now, apparently. And he's like, he's like, he says, you know, if you want to start seeing other people, something, 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 that's basically the best way for some people to move on. Mm-hmm. What if the show is really the rebound? About, you know, you got Ari, you got Spencer. Talk, go back to season one. What if the show is really just about how everyone wants to fuck Ezra? Um, you know, she barks at him that she's not I, ready. I feel to like Emily's just people. like, <clears throat> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Or Hannah's just and like, and Mona's like, yeah, honestly, me neither. Yeah. Um. So you know, Arya literally barks at him that she's not ready to start seeing other people. Mm-hmm. But then some some folks start to come into the high school crew. kids. Yeah. Yeah, wearing like letter jackets. And then Arya really, this is this is cold blooded. She says goodbye, Mister Fitz, and walks out. Yeah. And so it's like, wow, that hurt. Yeah. You know, cut to Spencer's place. It's the next day, I think. We see a slightly different angle of the Spencer's house and the establishing shop. But we go to the kitchen where Toby is making toast. Yeah, they're having a breakfast of uh, like fruit salad and toast and maybe some eggs. I don't know. A lot and, of protein there. Yeah. A lot of protein. And uh, Spencer's got the newspaper. She's reading about Wilden's murder. She says he was shot multiple times. And the place that he was killed was a different location than where the body was found. Would they print that in a newspaper? I don't know. Uh, uh, it's very similar, though, to, I believe, Maya, too, right? I guess, but then they, like, find the police report to find that out for Maya. True. Uh, usually the cops withhold certain information, but anyway, so... You know, to catch the killers. Yeah, so it's the time of death, uh, and then she says, thank you, because uh, then Toby's, like, bringing her over her things. You know, time of death, thank you, was between 10 and midnight, which is when we were at the lodge, so we can't use that as an alibi, and Toby's like, eat. And Spencer says, I mean, A knows they're going to figure out the fire was arson. And who would have believed that we were there anyway? You know, and we, or who would believe we were there and we didn't start it? So then Toby, teaching a master class, mm-hmm. he wants her to, to eat. He picks up a fork and he's like, you see this? It's a fork. You can use it to eat the breakfast that your boyfriend just cooked for you. Cooked? And, and I'm thinking to myself, well, first of all, my initial reaction is, fuck you. What if I don't eat that breakfast, Toby? <laughs> Are you going to fake your death again? Oh, my reaction is just cooked? Yeah. Toast? Toast? <laughs> I mean, you have to be like way to one side of the bachelor spectrum to even pretend that that is cooking. Yeah, that's 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 man stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Um, Spencer, she fucking loves the way that sounds, though. Boyfriend, in quotes. She's right you back. You calling to... yourself my boyfriend? She is right back. dead to... and A? Yeah, she's right back to being all like schmoopies with mm-hmm. Toby. Um, she says that this is perfect, not just the breakfast, but him being there. A big old smile, and she's like, "Is we more coffee?" 
And Toby sighs. He's like, it goes against my better judgment. This is your last cup. Like, what do you mean your better judgment? Like, you know what? You know what gets your girl's motor going? You give her more coffee. Number one, if Spencer said bend over, Toby, Mm -hmm. you know, if if she said bend over, I'm going to stick my whole thumb in your ass. Toby would turn back to her and say aces. Number two, how much caffeine do you think powers the Spencer machine each day? I mean, you don't want it to drop below critical levels. Right. right. People die then. Mm-hmm. People die. Like, like Wilden. Um, it's a picture. Toby gets a text. You know, he checks it. It's from A. It's a picture of some redheaded woman. And it says. It's Toby's mom. Let's just. It, it yeah. makes more sense if you say that. It says, bet you miss her every day. Kisses A. Mm-hmm. We know that Toby's mom is dead from the first secret, I believe. But we've never really had any information on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you asked what's wrong. Toby plays it off, says it's just a lead on a new job, which should be mm-hmm. suspicious on its own. Because what is it? Already lying again. A new job in the mysterious Bucks County. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes over and kisses her, and she's like, "Thank you for breakfast, boyfriend." Yeah. And he he does his move where he hugs her and looks troubled, like looking past her, you know. And then he dips his sausage into her eggs. Well, I feel like egg should have just been like, "Hey, Toby, remember your dead mom." Like, that would have been a better, you know, text. <laughs> LOL. Mm-hmm. I wish A would end one of, one of A's <laughs> messages with LOL. Yeah. Uh, so at school, uh, presumably the Monday morning, Ari and Emily are sitting together in the quad. And just, folks, if you're listening, if you're sitting down, good. If you're not sitting down, sit the fuck down. This is a roller coaster ride. Right. Aria's wearing a camo jacket, by the way, like old school camo. All right, let's not, just, not that, like. 2000 bullshit that they wear now let's unveil the whole area and psalm right now she's wearing a camo camo jacket that only covers half her torso <laughs> she has on a black skirt black shiny almost leatherish tights a long t-shirt that looks like it's covered in different kinds of illustrated poop she has on the kind of boots that i think kate beckinsdale would wear to fight vampires in mm-hmm. and again a camo jacket this is zero dark aria <laughs> the uh Pretty Little Liars annotations have a, a great thing on this where it's like she's wearing it so Ezra can't see her. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah. uh, so she's she's talking to Emily in the quad there. And Emily's saying, you know, Paige doesn't know about Wilden yet. I'm not even sure how much I should tell her. Arya is clearly not listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just staring longingly at Fitz across the quad. Who is holding court with a mm-hmm. bunch of his dorkiest students. And Arya says, do you believe in that Four Seasons of Grief theory? That you have to live through a year of everything before you can really get over someone? And this is one of the many points in this conversation where Emily should have just gotten up and left. Right. She should have said, God, you're so fucked up. Stop Mm -hmm. ruining this man's life. Secondly, what do you think Arya's Google history looks like? (laughs) Frightening. Yeah, I think Uh, Tim Burton would be scared. Yeah. Emily says, you guys have survived through so much. Can't you just wait it out for a few months? Don't encourage her, Emily. And Ari says, it just feels like we're back where we started. You know, we can't go back to where we were. There's too much at stake now. And he says, you know, I totally support you and Ezra together. But maybe he's right. You know, it's senior year. Maybe you should be having some fun. And Ari's like, you know what's fun? Ripping a spider's legs off and watching it flail. Yeah. Well, and this is this is just so awful. Arya, she's, she's staring at Ezra, like, proudly. Like, the look on her face is just, like, disgusting. She looks like a and total psychopath in a fit of dreamy madness. Ezra's talking to some students, and she says, Look at him. They're hanging on his every word. And this is another point in the conversation where Emily should have just been, like, unbelievable. And just, like, got nothing left. Because Arya is about to bake Ezra a cake with her hair. And you mm-hmm. know why? Do you know why she's going to do that? Because it's full of secrets. So she can be inside him. 
<laughs> so Emily starts explaining the benefits of a double date to Arya. You can go on a date with your friend. You can be out in public. You can be seen. And then Arya notices that Principal Hackett or Vice Principal. Hackett. Yeah, Arya like stares for another like thirty minutes, and then it's like, oh shit! I just noticed the uh, principal or possibly Vice Principal Hackett has been uh, watching me stare at Ezra this whole time, drooling like a goon. Yeah, and so um, she. she Pulls out her first edition of a book or whatever the hell she, she yeah, and so Emily then pretend to be reading. We're not sure what book they're reading yet, but it appears to be like a first edition of whatever, like, you know, American classical literature they're doing. So we, we pondered if it's Grapes of Wrath. We've, neither of us have read Grapes of Wrath. But Arya, trying to cover as Hackett comes closer, says what Mr. Fitz, Mr. Fitz meant was that Steinbeck used a farmer as a metaphor for his frustration. And on the, this is after Arya is like, now he's walking over here. I think with Mr. Fitz, you know, blah, blah. And Hackett is like looming behind them, but then yeah. he kind of turns around and walks away. And Arya goes, is he gone? And then Hackett turns around and frowns and stares right at Arya. And he's, he's like, he's three feet nope. away as she says that. He is totally watching you. Arya is even more suspicious under a microscope. But mm-hmm. we special, especially lol at this because are they talking about Grapes of Wrath in school now? Because they just started a farewell to arms that, like, the last school day they were in session maybe they were just doing a, a class on like Hemingway quotes <laughs> Hemingway quotes 101 at Rosewood mm-hmm. High all things truly wicked start from an innocence yeah, that's so like the meta statement of this this season um, so let me cut to a hallway at school yeah Hannah's approaching Mona as Mona's leaving class and hey Mona you got a minute sure and Mona's like you look tired baby and Hannah says, well, I only slept for like 12 minutes last night. Every time I closed my eyes, I saw Wilden. And then I saw a pig. And then I saw Wilden with a pig face. And as she's having this conversation, some nerd walks up to Mona. And Mona does this awesome thing where she just waves him away with one hand and says something in French to him. Mm-hmm. Like, not really breaking eye contact with Hannah the whole time. She flings him away with the dark side of the force. Uh, mm-hmm. Two two digressions. I know I'm the, I'm the king of digressions this episode. Uh, one... Like, cue obligatory Seinfeld Pigman reference. <laughs> Two, can I interest anyone in a remake of Lord of the Flies but starring only the young women from Rosewood High? I think we're watching it right now. Three, it's not that I hate the outfits that these two women are wearing, but I'm physically repulsed by them. Mona's isn't that bad. <sighs> I think the, the, Hannah's got like this weird headband thing on. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's gross. Um, so Hannah says that she she might be like, wearing like a dream catcher as an earring. Yeah. <laughs> just one. Hannah says that she feels like they're just waiting for A to drop the hammer on the mini second now, and then Mona's just like, well, "Be careful, Hannah." When you use words like "us" and "we," my mind goes to this place where we could actually be friends again. And bang. Yeah, Mona's five minutes away from. Coming up with a plan to stop A that involves scissoring. I doubt we'll ever see this on the show, but I would love, like, if they needed to, like, stop. Like, if Mona was, like, you know, being A and, like, they really needed to, like, stop her, I feel like all Hannah would have to do is kiss her. And Mona would just, like, melt into a puddle and die. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Mm -hmm. Or she'd turn into, like, a little light and then float away to the heavens. Mm -hmm. Um, So Hannah brings up when her dad left her and she didn't want to get out of bed. That Mona was the one who, you know, basically dragged her to every sale that summer. And Mona's like, yeah, bedroom eyes. And Hannah says, I miss my shoppertunist friend. And Mona smiles. She says, look, I have study French study group after school. I can cancel if you want to hit Macy's. Oh, wow. And Hannah's like, I don't just want it. I need it. There are a lot of lines like that. And there were, Product you know, placement. I don't just want it. I need it. And so Mona's You know like, what I'm talking about, Mona. Product placement. Mona's like... 
Sassoon Rendezvous. It's a date. And it it's a like, date. And it's like, Coco Chanel. <laughs> well, and Mona, like, blushes at this as she, like, walks away. Oh, yeah. But then as she goes, Hannah, like, kind of frowns. Like, I think we realize Hannah's kind of pretending for that whole scene. Uh, and you can tell that she she's frowning because she doesn't she isn't really wanting to hang out with Mona. But also, I think she feels terrible about having to pretend to hang out with Mona, you know, because well, it's like no matter how much Mona is her enemy, she feels so guilty about Mona being her enemy at the same time. Yeah. But I think she also knows that she benefits from her knowledge of Mona, her friend that only mm-hmm. she knows in a certain way. Um I like the point of, again, the praise of direction here. The camera, as the two women... Oh, this shot's awesome, yeah. The camera stays there in the same position in a very organic way. As we see Arya coming down the hallway, she actually starts talking to another student other than one of the liars, thus validating this poor nameless girl's existence. Mm -hmm. And as she's talking to her for like three seconds, her name is called over the intercom, and she's ordered to go to the vice principal's office. And as she's hearing this, we see Fitz walk out of the classroom behind her, all in the same shot. Yeah. And so like this this shot began with Hannah talking to Mona. Mona leaves in the background, Arya's walking up. We focus on Hannah. Hannah walks away, there's Arya, and then Fitz walks out. It's pretty clever blocking for uh essentially a dialogueless scene. Yeah, so Arya leaves and of course that girl was talking to her was like, you know, thank God I survived yeah. talking to her. Well Arya makes the, put on me. Arya makes the brief contact eye contact with Ezra, who just kinda like looks at her and is like eh, and goes back into his room. Shade. Mm-hmm. So we cut to the, like the vice principal's like waiting area. Arya's like sitting on a bench. Her like knee is bouncing nervously. She's hyper aware of the ticking seconds on the clock. Mm-hmm. And then the door opens. Hackett steps out. He says nothing. Just stares at her with like some some malice. And she weighs her in, in like all business. Yeah. Yeah. She walks in his office like following him, and he's like, "I gave you a chance to be honest with me, and you chose to lie." And to which Arya, in my dreams, you know, responds with, "Who do you think you're talking to?" But a person she, knocks on my door and asks for the truth, and you think that of me? I have to say, she really like masters her reaction here because she's still smiling. She's like, "I'm not sure what you mean." Like, good job, Arya. You yeah. didn't, you didn't crack there. Yeah. Uh, and then Hackett says, "I know you're sleeping with your teacher." Oh, and then Arya's face is just like, "How dare you?" Yeah. And Hackett says, "I wanted to believe you, but after receiving an anonymous correspondence from a concerned student." And Ari's like, well, I, I had told you that Mr. Fitz and I had been seen, seen each other after he left Rosewood. And Hackett says, yeah, only occasionally, but, but broke it off where it became serious. And then he pulls out a stack of pictures of Ari and Ezra in flagrante delicto. Mm-hmm. And he says, we've called your parents. They're on their way. And Ari's like studying these photos and Hackett like takes a call on his phone. And he says, yes, yes, I'm relieved to know that he's in custody. Thank you. And Ari's like, you're arresting him? And he says, in this state, it's a felony for a teacher to have sex with a minor. Ezra Fitz is going to prison. And then Arya screams out, but Ezra is endgame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she gets up and rushes out, and he's like, Miss Montgomery. And so she runs down the stairs. She's in tears just in time to see Ezra getting walked out in the bracelets by the cops in front of all these students who are like watching and like filming She's, this on their phone. He gives her a hard stare. She starts like hyperventilating. And then... Cut back to Reality. Hackett coming to exiting <laughs> his office. That didn't happen. Yeah. You know, there there's a show where that happens. I hate to inform you, you're watching the other show. Yeah. Where that's yeah. never going to happen. This was all a product of Arya's very overactive and delightful imagination. Mm-hmm. Oh, Arya. Um, so, yeah, he, Hackett walks up his office. He's like, hey, sorry to keep you waiting. 
um, he hands her a manila envelope with Ella's name on it. And he says, you know, Ella has suggested that Arya like, brings these papers home for her to sign. And Arya's just like, yeah, sure, I'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and he says that he hopes that her mom feels better. And then he just goes back into the office like, fuck this, mm-hmm. you know. And Arya immediately pulls out her phone and texts Ezra and says, I do want to see other people. And then she, she pauses for a second and then like, nope, I'm doing it. Hits the send button. And so from that, so I mean, somewhere in Ezra's classroom, he like he's in the middle of the lecture and gets a text and pulls it out and just stares at it for like ten minutes. So one of those students, everyone's like, like, "Mr. Fitz, dear diary, today in my English class, my teacher broke down crying for (laughs) forty-five minutes. He fugued out." (laughs) So in Emily's bedroom, we cut to it's night. Paige and Emily are on the bed looking at basically Stanford's website on an iPad. It looks incredible. They've got a great slim program, brochure for Stanford. Yeah. Emily says it'll be a great opportunity for Paige, and Paige, of course, wants Emily to come with her. Paige oh, well. is doing. She Paige has like I think it's a a tank top. It's like with like huge armholes, because like she's got like a sports bra underneath. Uh, Emily, meanwhile, is doing that like that like jersey shirt that the the collar's so wide it's about to just fall off. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, by all means, tweet at us, email us, leave us a comment. I would like to know, other than like the lesbian karaoke bar in which Emily and Paige did not fit in at all, what what was the scene where you thought Paige looked good? There are scenes. There are scenes. I'd like to hear that from some of our fans. Um, Her hair is like so much better now. Oh, than it was previously? Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't have that weird dominatrix haircut. That's better. So Paige says that... You know, Stanford offered her a full ride, and if they want Paige, they'll certainly want Emily, which makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily says that she always figured she'd go to Danby since, you know, she worked out all those shenanigans of faking the offer back in season one. Oh, yeah, because Emily's just like, oh, yeah, this is an amazing opportunity. You should take it, you know? And she's like, amazing opportunity for us, you know? And she's yeah. like, Danby's great, but you and me in California, think about it. Except for Hawaii, you can't find a college that's further away from Rosewood, further mm-hmm. away from A. Yeah, and at this point, like Emily's like super wide collar shirt looks like it's right about to fall off because I think Emily needs it to to end this conversation. She doesn't really want to have right, right. And Paige is like, "We'll live together, and you can decorate the place however you want. We'll study on the beach. That never happens in California. Uh, spend weekends in San Francisco. Never have to shave our legs anymore." Paige would definitely fit in 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 the San Francisco Bay Area. I think. Yeah, and how much fun? I don't know if Emily. I don't think Emily would though. Emily might would fit in in like San Diego, maybe. But she Emily's not a NorCal girl. I don't sense. Um. Yeah, I can see SoCal. You're right. She's Mm -hmm. got the SoCal beach hair. Yeah. 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 Well, and you know, swimming and whatnot. San Francisco is not the not a city for Emily's hair. Um. So Emily's laughing, but she's like not, or because there's pages like, how much fun would it be to drive across country? You and me and donuts and diners. You know what? Ask Caleb. He seemingly makes that drive two or three times a week mm-hmm. with Lucas. I guess it's supposed to be romantic though. Donuts and diners. And, uh, yeah, I mean, eh. road trip with uh, a lover. I'm sure that's fun. Um, I mean, we made this road trip. No romance happened that I remember. No. Well, there was that one weird hotel we stayed at. Yeah, well, we don't talk about that. So the fact that Emily finds Paige so charming, well, here, she's like says something really, about Emily. She's not really committing. She's like ha ha ha, but she's not exactly you know agreeing. And Paige is like, we can start over there. Don't you want to live in a place where you're not afraid of the dark, uh, in a place where I don't have to be afraid for you? See, and Emily's like, yes. And the prince sees no. But see, this is to me. This is the this is the thing where the show finally starts to say that. You don't just have to be a part of the patriarchy to have like disgusting, controlling 
perspectives on these girls. Somewhat. I mean, I, Paige gets a little bit of a bad rap, but I think it's because she is like a she exists to try to pull Emily away from the liars, which mm-hmm. in a normal world would be like the thing that should happen, you know. But in in PLL land, like you don't break out the liars, you know. Well, I think I think you know you could make the argument in the show kind of did without saying it that Paige and Caleb are essentially the same. But Caleb is kind mm. of the more successful version of Paige because he doesn't try to break the girls up. But he, he he's is smart enough equally, not to do that. Yeah, he's equally concerned about like Hannah's you know situation, but also he doesn't make it about him. It's not about how he is concerned about Hannah's mm-hmm. situation. He's concerned about Hannah. Emphasis that on Hannah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, it's like in a in reality this wouldn't people wouldn't react the same way to stuff like this but i think it's just on the show it's like no you don't you, you can't break apart the liars so i don't like you page right you now uh, but so yeah emily's just like yes princey's no and page is like yes and emily says i want to go princey's no i don't i want to be with you and then she's literally shaking her head as she says this and she says i really love you and page is like come here baby and so they kiss and something page, something, page something. loves emily too yeah something 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 tribatism so we cut to Hannah's kitchen. Mona and Hannah come back with some bags from shopping. Hannah is wearing a beret, which, you know, wee-wee. <laughs> um, Mona's like, woman to help you carry your thing upstairs, which is how pornos start. Mm-hmm. And Hannah's kind of distant. She's like, no, I'll put it away later. And so they put the bags down. And, Mona and Mona's says, like, you sure? You sure? I, don't I don't mind. This is how pornos <laughs> Instead, Hannah's, she pulls a Mona move and she's like, would you like a soda? And so Hannah, like, gets out, like, some generic Mountain Dew and starts pouring it for them generic diet mountain dew then she's like you know so when kayla comes back you should surprise him with that lace canisole maybe with the sheer donna karen barely button and hannah's like oh good idea Porno. And, but it's like the mood's not warm when and hannah's facing away from mona you can tell she's just kind of like Ugh. yeah and mona's like has he found his dad and you have to figure like hannah's like oh yeah that's right he's he's looking for his dad because you fucked him over you know? Which you know never never gotten the info dump that this wasn't Mona's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Hannah's like, uh, he was heading to his aunt's cabin. They don't have good seltzers there, so I haven't heard from him. Maybe he got lucky, and she just looks very displeased because she's not facing Mona here. Right. Uh, but then she turns around to smile, and she's like, "How about you? You know, who are you going to be wearing that blue strapless for?" And Mona says, "Well, since Noel, there hasn't been anybody, so I bought it for me." Subtext, Hannah. I am so horny, I could die. Yeah, she bought it for you, Hannah. Uh, and Hannah says, that's a healthy attitude. And then they both drink their diet mountain, diet generic Mountain Dew in silence. Mm-hmm. And then Mona's like, I should probably actually be going. And Hannah's like, I had fun today. And Mona says, no, you didn't. I know you're just pretending to be my friend again. Mona's and Hannah doesn't really have a pl- reply to this. <laughs> she's got to be upset that Hannah hasn't realized that she's a ninja wizard. Mm-hmm. So Mona reaches into her purse. She pulls but at the a- same time, I think she could respect hannah's game here of uh, at least pretending to be nice you know there's a lot of layers that they kind of see what each other are doing because she's in love with her um she pulls mm-hmm. out the chip slash hard drive she hands it to hannah she says it's the only copy and that if she was hannah she'd burn it that's what spencer would do yeah spencer's literally done that mm-hmm. and hannah says you're giving it to me just like that and one says yeah i really loved you once and i really was your friend mm-hmm. and then she leaves and hannah kind of watches her go sadly then Hannah's um, like, score. I got this thing back. I didn't have to go down on her. 
I remember watching this episode and it's like, dude, are they like going there with Hannah and Mona? Because that would be awesome. It would be awesome. I mean, what I feel like there has been more than a few inferences or signs that Mona, you know, it's not just a friendship of Hannah that she's been missing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. So outside Emily's house. Shipping it. Yeah. Through some kind of weird filter thing, we watch as Emily kisses Paige. Well, it's like a POV, like somebody, someone's watching. But it's obscured, though. Like yeah. the, the sides are fuzzy black. Uh, we watch Paige drive away. Then we then see that we're looking at things through the eyes of the Jenna thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why it's uh, it's bad. Narrow, because... narrow, like tunnel vision. Yeah. yeah. Good days and bad. Soon they'll all be bad. <laughs> Dark days ahead. Yeah. And Jenna sits out and says, you two make a cute couple. And Emily's like, did you slither on down here to comment on my love life? Just Nice venom, Emily. Mm-hmm. And Jenna says, I need a favor. And Emily says, yeah, wrong address. And kind of like pushes past her, like walking back to, to, you know, to her lawn. And Jenna says, you probably didn't know that Darren was a friend of mine. That's Darren Wilden. Of course um, he was. We met right after I moved to town. I can't believe he's dead. I love how Jenna is friends with everyone who the liars like instinctually hate. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, in the corridors of power, there's Jenna, like blind Jenna and mm-hmm. whatever her power is, um, like making connections, making links. Like, I feel like Jenna, you know, she's not a fucking idiot. <laughs> well, you know, Jenna was offered an you know, entree by Allison into the group and didn't want it. She wanted right. her own group instead. Yeah. Uh, and her own group's not doing too well. Uh, and Jenna also apparently she appears to have like a a red burn on her like yeah. hand and wrist area. And Emily's like, "Well, sorry for your loss." And Jenna says, "If anything happens to me, can you give Toby a message?" And Emily says, "What would happen to you? Seems to me like you're indestructible, except for your eyes." <laughs> and Jenna says, "Well, it seems to me that everyone who Allie saw, you know, who everyone who saw Allie the night she went missing is waking up dead." And Emily says, "Wilden saw Allie that night. That's an interesting detail, actually." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jenna says that's what Garrett told me. Emily says, "Did you burn yourself?" We kind of see, you know, focus in on that hand. There is Jenna, right. kind of like, kind of pulls her sleeve over and just, you know, ignores it. And she says, "Toby isn't answering my calls. And I know that you're still friends, supposedly. Tell him I never meant to hurt him." And then she leaves, and Emily just like looks bitchy at her. Right. Emily's got some real like she's got some like like fighting lines. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is is Emily like? Is this part of her like reacting to like Mona's comments, you know, in the opening of the episode? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Or is she like like letting like that darker part of her personality I think she's... like bounce back after having to be so fake, possibly with Paige? Yeah, I think she's probably a little just knows that she was just committing to something she didn't really want to. Like that's a weird vibe. I don't know if you've ever had, you know been right. in a situation like that where you're just like yes i'm doing this this is a bad idea you know and so you then go punish the next person you encounter just to mm-hmm. like let your personality like reinflate um so we cut to spencer's room spencer's reading she's facing the window she appears to also be reading your first edition of an important manuscript she senses something in her like spencer sense uh, she gets up she looks out the window and across the way in allison's room we see mrs d standing there staring at her like she's a zombie well, it's like spencer just walks over and looks out and he's like nah like there's crazy ass mrs d just staring at me through her window andrea parker who i only ever remember her from like i never watched the show but i know that she was like the primary antagonist on the pretender or that show <laughs> mm-hmm. um she pulls on like this amazing like stepford wife 
evil yeah, yeah. persona here. Yeah. And she's got the pearls on. And so she's just staring and uh Spencer is like kind of steps back, but she she keeps watching. And eventually Mrs. D just kind of like turns and walks away. And it's like, well, that was fucking creepy. By the way, Spencer has a fascinating shirt on. It's very like 70s-ish. It's all like uh, kind of like a peachish orange and like blue and there's stripes. Like, I don't know. It's a weird look. It looks like something that Houston, Houston Astros might have worn at some point. I ship her shirt. Um, so mm-hmm. right as Mrs. D like disappears out of view, Spencer gets an email on her iPad. She checks it. It's a cutout of Wilden's obit. And a I, note I like a. the way that A, like whenever she has like a truly artistic message, she sends it to Spencer so Spencer can look at it on her iPad. Uh, possible theory about A's like uh, origin or, uh, you know, secret identity, art school dropout. Mm-hmm. Um, so the note from A says, closed caskets keep secrets. His is open and exposes yours. Kisses, bitches. A. <laughs> yeah, and the O bit of Wilden there. Also, Spencer still has her black A, like, nail polish on. Oh, she's been wearing that for a while, yeah. Okay. Was Dark Spencer Saga has, like, lingering ramifications. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Even though the, the hair is definitely back to mm-hmm. some nice hair. And so Spencer looks at this and kind of looks back out the window like, huh, what does this mean? So then we cut to the next day or two, whenever later. It's it's daytime. It's the church. There's all these cops out front. There's the news reporter who only exists every once in a while. Right. Um, that's the funny thing about the show. The show exists in a universe where the, the news media like wouldn't be constantly descending on Rosewood. Right. For all the weird shit that happens. Um, local news. I have to say, detective. Do you feel feel like Rosewood has a ridiculously massive sized police force for what they have? Like there are a lot of fucking cops here. Maybe they're from neighboring towns. I don't know. And yet, Officer Barry Maple is like, "Fuck that guy." I'm not exactly. I was gonna say part two of my comment. Where's Officer Barry? Mm -hmm. Uh, News lady, what is she saying? Whole town has come together to mourn the loss of Detective Darren Wilson, one of Rosewood's most high profile police officers. For a second, I thought she was gonna say like most respected. You know, yeah. but it's like that would fly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we see more funeral shots. We see Wilden's casket then, uh, draped in an American flag being rolled out. Uh, there's also a shot of Pam in there. I don't okay. know if you noticed that. The Pam no, Pam is actually looking pretty fucking good. She's in like a, a black dress and she has her hair pulled up in a bun. It's a good look for Pam and like some, some you know, eyeshadow, like raccoon eyes going on. I think every once in a while somebody has to just like really be jealous of that Evander Holyfield. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Also, um, also, just one last note. There's like a, a young female Asian cop on the force, apparently. Oh, yeah? We should see some more of her. What's her story? Is she single? Yeah. Maybe she's not committed to her boyfriend. Maybe he he's, you know, not bringing it home. Um. So then we see the Pretty Little Liars walking to church in their funeral dresses, <laughs> which, oh, shit. These Every outfits- time they attend a funeral, it's like they have to wear, some- wear something even more inappropriate than before. You want to take it girl by girl? What do you got? What do you uh, got? Let's let's start on the right here. Arya, okay. Arya is wearing an Arya thing. It's it's basically it's a fairly short little black dress. Um, it would be normal except for the fact that it has this crazy like red belt thing around the middle, and then like all these like rhinestones that kind of up the yeah. middle and along the collar. Yeah, it's, it's... and of course like two random like leather strap uh, like wrist things and a giant ass ring. As a man not versed at all in women's fashion, it doesn't look right. It's not a hideous like dress. Like that belt looks means. like something industrial. Yeah, it looks like like some kind of like hard leather. 
Mm-hmm. There's like a weird like like undercurrent of like superhero fashion throughout yeah. this episode. Spencer is of course wearing I believe that's actually a skirt and a a blouse with like you know half length sleeves, and it, it it looks very. It's all just in black. It's the most traditional. It has like it's, a little bit of a lace up in the collar, but that's it. Let me try to sum it as best I can. It's something that Lauren Bacall would have mm-hmm. worn in the movies. Yeah. Uh, Emily's dress is definitely Boring. got some got some curve, but it's it's another like very short dress with like a kind of big low V cut and like some weird stripe, like angular like uh, zigzag stripes at the bottom. Whatever that pattern is, it's the mm-hmm. same pattern that you see in, like Charlie Brown's shirt. Yeah, Hannah, of course, uh, recognized big blonde hair. Big blonde hair. Her she's wearing something that's like over. There's a short dress, which is basically like a, almost a, uh, what do you call those things? Mid-thigh. Like a, like a bustier or, or something. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some boobs. There's some cleavage. Yeah, well, it, she's got, Bosom. she's got essentially like a kind of futuristic looking corset on boobs. over some very short, like dark green and white skirt. But then over Girl. that, like to make it, you know, funerally. She's got like black sheer lace on that goes all the way down to her feet. That's like a, it's like a black sheer gown. Like it's, it's completely bizarre. There's boobs are just like sticking out there. Of course, how... she hated Wilden, so of course she's going to dress like this. I love how descriptive your, your descriptions are, uh, hmm. pun intended. Mine are more generic and vague. I broke down Hannah's outfit looks like something a sexy vampire would wear. <laughs> um, yeah. so, yeah, so. Oh, Man, by the way, we, we saw the pallbearers, and as, as we mentioned, no Officer Barry Maple among the pallbearers. I don't blame Officer Barry, Jim Titus, mm-hmm. uh, for like not being a pallbearer, because Wilton, fuck that guy. But like, is he is he the like the sole cop on duty that day that he probably like, short end? Yeah, he's probably. like, you know what? As the only real cop here. <laughs> Um, so the girls kind of stop and they watch like the, the cops picking up Wilton's casket to bring it inside. And Hannah's like, do you really think that a put something in there with his rotting, stinky corpse? To Say which, it again, Hannah, but slower. To which Spencer has to reply, since there's a viewing, you can assume he's been embalmed and that would suspend decomposition and prevent the mourners from having to deal with a rotting and eventual putrescence of the corpse. Hmm. And Hannah says, okay, what the hell did she just say? And then Arya sees something, which is a very petite woman in a black veil Mm -hmm. walking into a church, walking into the church. Mysterious black veil that covers like the entire head, like front and back. Right. Can't can't see who it is. So Spencer's like, you know, like focus up, ladies. Uh, Reminds him of the Atex. Closed caskets. His is open. Exposes your secret. Reminds the girl that there's something in the casket they need to find. And Arya says something that's incriminating. Yeah. Arya says the greatest line ever. Are you really so sure about everything you're so sure about? To which Spencer says, yes. That's a very meta line. Yeah. yeah. This is so, a very meta You're always episode. so sure about everything you're so sure about. Yeah. And Spencer says, yes. And in about 30 minutes, they're going to open that casket for viewing. People are going to walk past and say goodbye to Wilden, whatever he has on us. And Emily's like, hey, we didn't kill Wilden. So what could it be besides another setup? Which and is Han- exactly what you should be worried about. Yeah. Apparently. And it's like, yeah, M's right. We shouldn't be here. If we get busted for poking around in that casket. And Spencer says, I don't think we have a choice. We have to look. And Ari says, well, at my grandma's funeral, they kept the casket in a private room until the service started. And so Spencer's like, let's just go find it. So off ladies go. And I wanted, I wanted them to like, you know, march up like Spencer and Emily first. And then Ari and Hannah. And mm-hmm. Hannah be like, Aria, is your grandmother even dead? And Ari's like, no. <laughs> LOL. Um, so in the church. 
we the, see that the casket isn't there yet. There's a yeah, giant and they're like, of, "Oh, you're right, Arya, no casket." Yeah, there's a giant picture of Willem there in his police uniform. Not that it matters, because you know, understand why. But this is not the same church as in the pilot. Yeah, and Spencer kind of gives them their marching orders. We're all going to split up. If you find the casket, send out an SOS. And so they all walk off to do their job, except for Arya, who just walks down the aisle towards Ezra. Yeah. And he, she's, like, kind of sidling towards him, like, trying to make eye contact, like she wants to talk to him. But then we see Ezra's there with Maggie, what? and he's talking to Hackett, who's also there, because mm-hmm. everybody in Rosewood came to his funeral. Uh, and Ezra's, he's talking to them, and he kind of looks over as Arya's, like, making bedroom eyes at him. And he, he, he sees her and very quickly looks away again, like, oh, did see you, you know, like, like everything's cool and just ignores her. And Arya just frowns at that, like, huh. I, what I can the hell promise you that Arya will take that slight personally. Well, she, so, she stops and just stands there for a couple seconds, like staring and it's like, huh. And then walks off. It's like, I will murder your dreams. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, somewhere else, Spencer's acting cool while she waits for some cops to pass. Then she sneaks into this one little room where she finds the casket and then, Jack's dad comes out and tells mm-hmm. her this is purgatory. Um, LOL, he joking. tells her that this is a place that we all made together. Which, I like which, that uh, that's in well, my notes. I'm sure it's in your notes as well. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> sometimes we're the same person. Um, so right as Spencer approaches the casket, a phone starts ringing. She checks her phone. It's not hers. And then Mona emerges from the shadows on the other side <laughs> of the casket, which is it's a lot of things. It's good storytelling. To me, it's in the PLL-like fashion. It's such a great reference to the very end of Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Um, Mona, by the way, uh, strapless, very nice little short black dress with a cardigan over it to make it a little more decent. Like Spencer, she's dressed for an actual funeral. But that is a pretty sexy funeral attire. Mona's pretty sexy everything. Mm-hmm. Except for that outfit she wore of Hannah in the hallway at school. Tri- triangle earrings, yeah. Um, so Mona says, looks like we got the same A message. And they both just stare at each other. And kind of see the ringing is coming from inside the casket. So yeah. Mona walks around. They both open it together. Much like they kind of opened the trunk together to yeah. start the episode. And there's Wilden's dead body. He's very pale. And Mona grimaces. And it's she almost, She looks over to Spencer almost like for encouragement. You know, like, we're really right. going to do this? And, like, Spencer's, of course, can't stop, won't stop. Exactly. So, yep, they're both patting down Wilden, looking for a phone. Spencer eventually finds it. And there's a missed call from a blocked number. And she taps to view the missed calls. And she's there's two from a block number, but then one is from Kisses. Hmm. And Spencer says, redial. And Mona says, I'm not leaving here until you do. So they hit dial on Kisses. After it rings, we then hear a woman's voice say, hello? Mm-hmm. It's Hannah. And Spencer's like, Hannah? And Hannah says, why are you calling me from my mom's phone? Oh, shit. Ooh. ruh uh, so then we cut to, you know, like later on, they're back in the, in the pews and the, you know, the funeral hasn't started yet, but they've all met up again. And Hannah's like, how did, you know, how could A have gotten my mom's phone? She's very worried. And they're like, are you sure it's your mom's phone? But apparently she is. And we find out that Hannah last talked to her mom this morning, Ashley called her from the hotel. Apparently still in New York. Yeah. And Ari's like, well, that's good. It means she's okay. And Mona says, Hannah, there's no way we're letting A bring down Mrs. M. Mona has total solidarity to Mrs. M. Mm-hmm. And Hannah says, so this is what this means. My mom's A's target. So then Mrs. D walks up. She says, the girls all look so pretty. Then to Hannah, she turns and says, 
Allie would be so proud. You really kept the weight off. And Hannah's just like, Ugh, thank like, you. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So Mrs. D asked She's the like, girls, you're just like Allie, aren't you? That must be where she got it. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. D asked the girls to come and sit next to her. So Arya, you know, passes Ezra and Maggie sitting in a packet. The four liars pile into the front pew there of Mrs. D, much like in the pilot. Mm-hmm. But there's no room for Mona. Mona Aww. stands there for a moment, giving Hannah this dirty look. Then, like, this kind of hurt look. Well, it's not realizes, even dirty. It's just like... It's just like really, you know. Well, no, I I kind of got both though. I kind of yeah. got at first a dirty look, like you know this this final betrayal, and then the, then the sadness leaked through as she realized that she's been edged out. Well, and Hannah even looks sad, but she doesn't say anything. It's all wordless, you know. It's just kind of like, yeah, sorry. That's, that's what it is. So Hannah <laughs> walks away, or Mona walks away, disappearing. This is basically the same alignment as the girls were in the pilot, right? Um, let's just say yes. Sure. I feel Except, like I feel like Arya was on the outside, but could be wrong. All I remember is uh, Hannah and the uh, flask. LOL. Yeah, I definitely remember Hannah. Um. And the so flask. then, of course, some blonde dude escorts Jenna in, reminiscent of Jenna and Toby in the pilot, but she's mm-hmm. wearing her dark Jenna blind glasses again. Well, it's some like douchey looking blonde dude with like a preppy haircut. Yeah. Which I wonder if we'll see him again. So then the Black Widow comes in. We're going to call her the Black Widow. She's the veiled woman. The Black Veil, Black Widow, yeah. Yeah. She sits behind Jenna, and the service starts with, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, except, you know, to be alive. We cut to Toby driving somewhere. This is where the Keegan Allen, like, uh, takeover begins. He looks at his phone, and there's a text that he's previously gotten from A, which says, I know what happened to your mom. Bring the lair, and you'll know too. Kisses mm-hmm. A. By the way, some real-time follow-up. Uh, I was right, and it's disgusting that I, I knew, remembered that. Arya was the one sitting closest to the edge of the pew. Give yourself a high Originally, five. yeah. Uh, once upon a time, Arya was the tip of the spear. So we get a we get a zoom in on Toby's face, and then you know what we get? Flashback! Flashback. Do we need a sound effect for flashbacks? Uh, I'm not editing that in. Okay. Uh, we get... <laughs> oh man, this is better than Toby and the Durag. Yeah, I I feel like at the same time we're both really coming around on uh, Keegan Allen here. We really are. Like, so there's something about his method that's mesmerizing. Um, so we flash back to Allie is looking at a snow globe, and then she puts it back on a shelf with a lot of like kind of modeled motorcycles and cars and shit like that. Uh, we see we're in what will become Jenna's room. But it's now Toby's room because uh, this is it's that far back. Mm-hmm. This is seemingly like I don't know, how, like if this is Allie's first time she's meeting Toby or what exactly. She knows him a little, but not a ton. I hope she's met him before if she's yeah. in his room. It's, it seems like she's it's the first time she's in his room because she's looking at his shit, yeah, you know, and judging. yeah, and Toby's at his desk. I like that we can see there's a, a Nintendo 64 controller Whoa. on Gold top knife. of like a TV. I like that Perfect Toby dark. has that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also some architecture plans on the wall. Yeah. And, you know, we make fun of Toby now, but I, I think, you know, a hundred years from now, like the the way we talk about Andrew Lloyd Wright houses, a hundred years from now, it's going to be like, that's a Toby Kavanaugh, you know? Right, right, right. And they can say it's, they're, they're known for their natural materials and their open floor plan. And uh, also the absence of any working toilets. Two parts. Toby, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright was quite the like womanizer. Second part, mm-hmm. Toby's going to be basically like Sonmi in Cloud Atlas, where like 100 <laughs> years from now, he's a goddamn religion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's just like, are, this is his room. She's like, are these your toys? He runs over in his most affected, nerdy voice. Bashful, he, yeah. He's like, don't play with them. Well, don't play with them. He looks so bashful. 
and uh so he as he's he's grabbing the toy from her hand their hands kind of touch and then they they, they they hold there you know and they start to get close and Allie, she drops her her classic line. She says, "I know you want to kiss me." And he comes in his pants, and he he smiles and he leans in, and their noses are just about to touch, and they're gonna kiss. But then his mom walks in. His mom, who looks just very retired and out of it, and she's like, "You're home already?" And of course, they they move away from each other. Yeah. And Toby's like, "Mom, it's four o'clock. Are you okay?" And his mom looks very just kind of like sad. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, "Oh, I'm just a little tired." And she's like super out of it, you know, and Toby's like, no, you're not just a little tired. Mom, I think there's something going on with you. And Allie's just kind of watching this all silently. And his mom's like, I'll make you a snack. And she walks out and Allie's like, does she just wake up? And Toby says, I think there's something wrong with her. And then Allison's basically, she's basically saying, yeah, she's a lazy bitch. She's like, yeah, it's called lazy much. And Toby just like makes like a stern face. He's like, I want you to leave. And Allie's like, seriously? And Toby's like, yes. And Allie just rolls her eyes. She's like, loser. And like, walks out. Like, Andrew Garfield could not affect this much nerdiness. You yeah. know, ticks. Well, like, Toby what would have happened if, if Allie decided not to be a bitch for like two seconds? It's like, does she make out with Toby here and everything go totally differently in her life? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. This is, this scene is... This is the new best thing ever after Toby and a Durek. I had completely <laughs> forgotten about this scene. I remember Bashful Toby. In my mind, flashing back, I remembered like Arya's imagination of like Ezra being handcuffed and dragged away by the cops. I had totally fucking forgot about well, this scene. What's funny is what is Toby supposed to be here? Like maybe sixteen? Like Who they knows? gave him a, a very do- dorky, like he has a, a yellow and Hard. white yellow and white horizontal striped shirt to make him just look like young. Like like oh, he's in grade school or something, you know. Well, I mean, like the the tragic odyssey that is Toby's hair over the course mm-hmm. of the show. It's like a no, very normal haircut. It's like parted to one side. He looks like your average nerdy guy with a gargoyle face. Mm-hmm. I, I Keegan Allen, I don't know what your deal is. I don't know if you've dumped an ice bucket on yourself for Lou Gehrig's disease, but if you haven't, I challenge you. Come on our show. We want you. We want you. Mm-hmm. So end flashback. Back in the now, Toby's driving. He's gets to wherever <laughs> he's, he's going. crying. His, well, his he's like wet. I he, assume he's he comes out of that flashback like breathing heavy like yeah. it took a lot of power to pull himself out of that flashback <laughs> he's crash. winded yeah we see he's been driving the rv lair he gets out he walks away he's like walking down this wooded road into the mist of like some kind of like andre de Carf- <laughs> like Tarkovsky movie where is toby now is he have to like walk 20 miles back to town i mean i would assume he drove it somewhere where he could get to you know walk back into town quickly because uh, he's he's bringing the layer to A. A wants that layer, so he's gonna he's gonna go do A's bidding because he wants info about his mom, who his mom who's dead. He wants to know about what what happened there. Other than when the fact that other than the times that Toby really wants to get in the hot tub, he always like plays every scene. He's got a massive cross to bear. Mm-hmm. So we come back to the church after the service. The liars come out of the church. They're hanging around. They're watching the Black Widow get into the back of a car that's waiting. And, and once again, I think Emily's just like, who is that? You know, so it's just to let us know, hey, this person's important. Who are this Black Veil person? Then a, is. a guy in a suit who looks like Superboy walks up to them and he calls them by their names in order. Emily, Spencer, Aria, and Hannah. Yeah, well, before we get to that, just briefly on, on Black Veil here. Doesn't it really look like it's Melissa Hastings? I mean, that's who the, I mean, I know they, they, don't necessarily use the actual actors 
for the these scenes, you know, to keep it a secret. But the the body type really looks like Melissa. I mean, there's times when like the the stunt double who plays A is mm-hmm. clearly a man with like broad shoulders. And there's there's times when it's like clearly Mona too. Yeah. Yeah, and this one like really looks like a very yeah. petite, you know, woman. Um, so uh, so uh, Tom Cruise, who it is allowed allowed to age. Uh, this is Sean Ferris. Uh, Tom Cruise is allowed to age except for his voice, which remains in puberty. His voice is, it's got a, just a hint of Kermit the Frog in it. And I, like, perhaps he was raised by a ventriloquist because he, <laughs> he tends to talk without totally moving his lips. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how he talks. He has this, it, it, frankly, fascinating voice in the way he talks. He's just like, Emily, Spencer, Arya, and Hannah. It's it's like there's this slight weird slur to everything he says, and this Arya a, Arya sets f- forward because she's the leader and says yes. This is not a diss on Sean Ferris, but mm-hmm. I have to admire the show's strength in not casting Scott Wolf in this part. <laughs> Seriously, um, by so the way, we we see Jonathan walk out. She has crazy like uh, like stockings on that we d- couldn't see in the scene before. Yeah. They're like these like black lace stockings with like weird patterns in them. She has to go because she's going to go deliver a baby. Um, yeah, so the liars are like, who the fuck is this? He introduces himself as Officer Holbrook, state police. He says that his partner and he are investigating the murders of Officer Reynolds and Detective Wilden. He hands them a card. Hands Spencer a card, of course. Of course. And Emily's like, we already spoke to the police when Garrett was killed. And he says, I read the report. I've actually been reading a lot about you four. And Spencer kind of breaks eye contact and looks all shady. And Holbrook says, Wilden had a thing for you. And Spencer says, yeah, he had a nasty habit of harassing us. And Holbrook says, I read through most of his notes and I agree with you. His conduct borders on unprofessional at best. And Hannah's like, thank you. And, <laughs> you know, according to Ashley Marin, Wilden wasn't very good at pouring the wine. Um, so real quick, are you trying to do Sean Ferris's voice? Badly, you- yes. If you are, I admire that. Um, so Holbrook asked, "Why did you why come did... to his funeral?" Yeah, <laughs> I like how you're like paralyzing your lower. Well, that, I mean that that's like he talks as though he's speaking from the back of his mouth, and he's he's like trying. I mean, it's not like he's totally trying not to move his lips, but that's how his voice sounds. It sounds like somebody is talking, you know, trying to move their lips as little as possible. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's fascinating. But yeah, so he's like, so uh, you know, why did you come to his funeral? If, uh, you know, basically, if you hated him so much. And Emily's like, we're uh, supporting our local police department. Oh, well. And he says, I'm, I'm sure it's appreciated. We're probably going to have to bring you in for questioning. But remember, we're the good guys. Just here to find the truth. And he leaves, and they all, like, bite their lips. And then, my favorite thing, simultaneous texts. They're all getting texts. Phones are blowing up. And then Arya, Arya, Arya reads it out. She says, the truth won't set you free, bitches. And then Mona shows up, apparently having also gotten the Atex. And she mm-hmm. reads the next part, which is, I'm going to bury you with it. And then Spencer says, kisses, A. The holy trinity of, of <laughs> Arya, Mona, and Spencer. Mm-hmm. The only real ones. And then Emily's like, oh, my God. And she, like, shows them her phone. And she's gotten a video of the night that they found Wilden's car. That You see all the liars and Mona there and near Wilden's car. We see Mona getting into the driver's seat. And then we cuts to all five of them driving off. So it's like, yep, A's got you there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, Mona's the like, she recorded the whole thing. 
the camera starts to like float up away from them. I mean, like the A as audience is mm-hmm. retreating back into the E. Oh, it should be mentioned that this video of them from that night getting in the car, it's like you can see it's behind like a tree or something. It's kind of moving around. So this is like somebody was there watching like behind some foliage. Right. So we get the A tag, which is we see the Black Widow or the Black Veil is. Well, we don't know a- it's, it's that person yet. We, do, we see A. Mm-hmm. Pulling, she's got a, a Mona doll, and she's pulling the hoodie onto the Mona doll because Mona's yes. dressed like A. And then she puts this doll with the other dolls of the liars in the dollhouse. I, I love that she has a, a Mona A doll that she puts there in a hoodie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then then we turn to a mirror, and that's surrounded by pictures of Valley, of course. And we see this is Black Veil. This A is apparently the the Black Veil, Black Widow character. Uh, the Black Widow pulls off the veil from the front of the face, and underneath we see that it's a mask of Allison, <laughs> which is super creepy and very effective with those pictures of Allie right next to it. Right. Uh, and then they turn to the right, and we see that the, you know one side is a normal mask of Allie, but on the other side it's all burnt and like cracked, you know, and and charred. It's super creepy. It's it's this very like kind of evil twinish vibe to it in a way you know it's like two-face right exactly like like it really kind of acknowledges like the metaphorical like dichotomy of these characters mm. but i mean again, yeah, it's like a I great said, metaphor don't don't read too much in the fact that it clearly seems like it's a white woman underneath that mask um so one theory that's been posited a lot i don't know if i necessarily want this to be the case but i do like it is that it's still just mona orchestrating oh, yeah. all of this to be inside the girls like circle again to have friends and the reason i like that idea now especially is that in that previous very meta scene where we saw the five analogs and like mm-hmm. they're like you know deeper level like they're dolls yeah the inner self there was you know the nerdy mona and it's like as she retreats into her a layer slash like you know diabolical womb if this was mona as the obviously she can't be the black widow but whatever like then and now, like, Mona's secret tiny self is allowed to be, like, a Mona, mm-hmm. you know? I, yeah. I like that idea. Um, one other thing I want to throw is the next episode is called Turn of the Shoe. I always love that because I remember when this – the one of the things I do remember about this episode when it first aired was based on fans watching the premiere, knowing that the next episode is called Turn of the Shoe, which is a, a slight pun on Turn of the Screw. Mm-hmm. A lot of people assume that because Arya has just broken <laughs> up of Ezra, she's in heat, and Holbrook was her next unsuspecting victim. I mean, I, I you remember feel like those that's, like people like like jumping. That's legit, boards? you know. I mean, maybe there's a little little heat between Arya and Holbrook in that scene. She's like, "I like your voice, old man." Yeah, a little lust and thrust. Yeah, mm-hmm. Holbrook. I don't know we we talked a lot about his voice and, and his weirdness and whatnot, but like his his vibe in general is like. This guy seems to be like a real cop. Right. He's like, hi, like I'm state police. Like we're the real cops. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, we're, we're probably going to need to talk to you, but just like, you know, it's cool. You know, we're the good guys. And it's almost like that's more threatening than a cricket cop now. It's like you may just be trying to figure out the truth, but like that's going to cause the liars all sorts of problems. Well, it, it, it really paints forth back to the central you know, thing of the show that these are our girls. We follow them through mm-hmm. fire, almost literally. You know, we, we trust them, we believe in them, we want them to see them succeed. They're also secretly horrible people. 
Well, like, they, of course, they're the enemies of the good guys. They contain multitudes. Yeah, they're yeah. they're the protagonists of the series. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything they do is morally upstanding. They do a lot of terrible shit, which right. is what I like about the show. And I feel like that's very deep into the kind of theme of the show is that, like no one no one's ever totally evil no one's ever really totally good either mm-hmm. so that was a is for alive is allison alive is allison the black widow hmm i think this is a great uh almost on the nose of the expectations of this show episode mm-hmm. by by i marlene king both well, from, just like, imagine like, writing in the direction if if Allie is alive in the black widow that would mean she's running around wearing a mask of her own face which is there's so much you could read into that mm-hmm. um but season four like now that i'm flashing back on it we've we've had our own which won't go into like our own internal like comments on season four mm-hmm. i'm actually going to say that while i think season three is one of my favorite seasons and i'm really enjoying season five which will the fatal finale will be in airing tomorrow when we record this i'm really looking forward to talking about season four yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in the season. There are some some things we'll talk about that uh, kind of were happening at the same time they're filming this part of the season. We'll get mm-hmm. into that later. Uh, for the most part, fun fun season. This was a fun episode. We're, we're kicking off into season four now. We're gonna plow through this. I'm not sure exactly when the the Christmas special is, so we'll be doing at least two and probably at least a few times three episodes a week to catch up. Uh, so there's plenty more bros watching PLL too. Can't stop, won't stop. Mm-hmm. Like Spencer Hastings. Mm-hmm. So that is the show. If you want to get in touch with us, leave us some feedback. You can go to our website page. It is timetravelmurdermystery.com/pll. Uh, I wonder if we should ever get a real web web URL for that. I don't know. Um, I am at Benjamin underscore light. You are at Marco Sparks on Correct. Twitter. So you can tweet at us. You can leave us feedback on the website. Um, it's always nice to hear from you guys. You guys we like, have we like your fun comments. questions. Mm-hmm. We like your comments. We like your questions. We like your theories. Yeah. We like all of it. Yeah. If we you... uh, want to hear from you, Keegan Allen, calling you out. <laughs> yeah. If Keegan Allen could leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be great. No, if any of you feel like leaving a review, if you haven't, um, I, uh, I listen to other podcasts and those other podcasts are always saying how they need reviews to help them like get more, get seen more on iTunes. I have no idea whether or not that's true. The way iTunes ranks things is very bizarre to me. I don't know why the, like there's a podcast ahead of us in the rankings. It has like 10 episodes from season one it has been updated in like three years. So I don't know what actually determines what gets ranked where, but uh, reviews are always nice too. So if you want to rate us or review us, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Mostly and... we're just glad that you like us the best. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Thanks for that. And uh, yeah, talk to us. We like talking to people. We'll be back next time to talk about turn of the shoe. Until then, so long. Bye-bye.